come to God's house and lift up her voice and praise Him. I had a house full today. Any babies? <laughs> we had them all there. And blessings uh, to have those little fellows all full of energy. Hard to keep up with them when you get tired. He said there's a death in the family. 
He said basically saying, Israel is dead to God. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Oh, verse 9, 1, chapter 9, verse 1, Oh, that my head were water, and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Lord, as we come to your throne, help us, great God, to look into your holy word. See, God, this thing repeating itself over and over. We know that the wicked shall be turned into hell and all those nations that forget God. Lord, help us, Father, to keep you in our minds and our forefronts. And Lord, to know that it's you, God, that gives us breath to breathe and life and eternal life. Thank you, great God, for the opportunities you've given us. Help us, great God, that we might make the very best of them. In Jesus' name, we ask this blessing. Amen. Amen. The slidden back, perpetual backslide, going the wrong direction, backwards. Seems my, that's the case today. He said that in the last days there would be a great falling away. Men would be lovers of themselves, needy minded, traitors, my boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unfaithful. And we're see we are definitely living in those days. You don't have to look very far uh, to really realize that. And it's sad. When you think of all our forefathers, Tom Brokaw wrote the book, The Greatest Generation. All of our forefathers back there that built these big public works, Hoover Dam, the, the interstate uh, system, dams and locks and dams that generate electricity for our country. And my men just had visions back then. Now, it seems like the only visions people have is when they want to get on drugs or get a high. Yeah. That's their vision. And it's sad. And I, I read the other day, I, I was reading in a, actually a John Deere magazine, and uh, I thought Luther Burbank, he went to California, and he had come, he, he was a horticulturist. And anyway, he had came up with the recipe baking potato. He sold the rights of this baking potato. I believe it was around $26. I think I let Tess read that article. But about around $26. This was like in 1812. And anyway, today it's over a $1 billion industry. And he sold it just to get enough money to move to California where his brothers are now. But uh, the opportunity that could have been his was kind of lost. He had a $10,000 grant. This was in the 1800s. That was given to him by college because of all of his cross-breeding hybrids. And this baking potato was one of them. And 
they came and they looked in his workshop, they wanted to seize boats. He didn't have any. They were all in his head. They were all in his head, and he forfeited a $10,000 grant from a college because he was just an organizer. I could probably uh, associate with that, shouldn't I? I have somewhat some disorganization myself. But when Jeremiah spoke these words that the harvest is past, the summer is ended, these were sad words because they had lost their opportunity. Time of salvation, he says, and we are not saved. The time of deliverance had already been gone. It had crossed the deadline, if you will. And my, they had gone too far to turn back to God. This is really what he is lamenting about. Uh, he wrote the book of Lamentations. And he is called the Weeping Prophet. And he said, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. He was really upset with his people. He was really upset that the harvest was past, the summer was ended, and they weren't saved. Why? Is there not a physician in healing? Is there not a balm? Is there not a healing? Is there not a what? The Lord can do great things. The Lord can heal. The Lord can cure. But now listen, friend. They had gone too far. You can go too far with God. Uh, listen. He says here in verse 5. The slidden back by perpetual backsliding, they hold fast to see, they refuse to return. If you look here in the book of Jeremiah, 47 times the phrase, will you return? Will you return unto me, saith the Lord? He does everything in the world to try to get people's attention, try to wake them up. Try to get them to come to their senses, realizing that they're in imminent danger. But now, these just goes on their way. And they brush it off. They brush off the word. They brush off the warning. In verse 6 here, he says, Hearken, they, I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. In other words, they just didn't might come back with a proper reaction to the word of God. He says, my saying, he said, no man repented him of his wickedness, saying, what have I done? I haven't done anything wrong. Basically, everybody wants to put the blame on somebody else, and that's what sin does. It, 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 from the very beginning of the Garden of Eden, what have I done? It's the woman that thou created. She came and be the serpent be 
God's be. And it's the woman you gave to me. It's your fault, God. If you'd never brought me this woman, I'd never be in this mess. But how the time we want to pass the buck and pass the blame. And my, you know, we got to ask our question, ourselves this very same question. What have I done? What have I done with God? In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the waters and God said, let there be light. What have you done with God? Have we made a man out of him? Have we, have we looked at our God as if we had created him? Have we come to the place where we think we know more than God? Have we gotten to the place where that, ah, that we don't even listen to God? When God says sin, well, we paint a different picture. We put a rosy picture on it. And we say, what are you talking about? Well, I haven't done anything. Well, I'm just doing what everybody else is doing. And my listen, friend, we tend to justify what we've done with God. Amen. Amen. What have you done for God? What have we done for God? Oh, listen, friend. He's done it all. He spoke everything into existence. Every tree, every fish, every bird, every drop of water, every day of our lives, the breath that we breathe, God took it all, and it's all a miracle. Again, it's like the one poet said, every bush is a fire with the glory of God, and it's only he who sees, who removes the shoes from off his feet and worships. Now, what have you done for God in praising him? Now, listen, friend, he is great and greatly to be praised. That's my God. Now, listen, friend, when you hear David in the 23rd Psalm, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes his bones, and he says, I've got a good shepherd. Why, he takes care of me and leads me beside the still waters. Why, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores. Why, I've got the best shepherd that ever could be. Not all shepherds were good shepherds. But his shepherd was one that watched over his soul and took care of him and provided for him. And David makes his boast of what a great shepherd that he has. And now listen, friend. We ought to make our brags about our God. Amen. Amen. What have I done? What have I done with Christ? As he stood to be judged, my, they said, release unto us Barabbas. What shall I do with this man? Crucify him. Crucify him. Away with this man. What have I done? We, like Pilate, cannot wash our hands of that blood. His blood is upon each and every one of us. And listen, friend, it was my sin that nailed him to the cross. It was my shortcomings and my fault. 
Ah, listen, friend, what have I done with this Christ? Ah, listen, friend, I'm held accountable and responsible for my decision, and I'll stand before him someday, and I will reckon with Almighty God what I have done with his only begotten Son. Amen. Amen. What have I done with the Holy Spirit? What have I done? He that speaketh a word against the Son shall be forgiven, but whosoever shall speak a word against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven. When we begin to think of our relationship with the Lord, it was the Spirit that knocked on our heart's door. It was Him that introduced us to Christ. It was Him, now listen, friend, that spoke to us about our sin. And He convinces the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Now what have I done with the Holy Spirit? And again, my, the Spirit is the power that works in the church. It's the power of every believer to walk. It's the power to witness. Be ye tarry unto Jerusalem until ye be endowed with power from on high. Brother, it's good to have church machinery. It's good to have nice pews and a good heating system, a good roof, a good PA system. This is all church machinery. As we pastors like to labor, label it, it's the machinery. But listen, friend, it's no good whatsoever if you don't have the power. If you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, friend, now listen, our prayer life is the same way. We are to preach in the Spirit. And we are to pray in the Spirit. We say so many rote prayers by rote. We say them out of habit. And so many times, my listen, friend, our, our prayers don't get any higher than the ceiling. Because they're from our lips. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now, Jeremiah, he was twice. Tears, tears. He was the weeping prophet. He blamed them because that he had warned them time and time again, but they just refused to acknowledge their sin and acknowledge that they've done anything wrong. What have I done? What have I done with the warnings? The warnings that God gives are like guardrails that keep us from destroying ourselves. Now they are safeguards to keep us in the way. They are those words of warning that lets us know that we need to avoid the dangers down the road. What have I done with the book? What have I done with the book? The book that he give us, my, that we might eat thereof. Man shall not live by bright bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Why, listen, friend.
We've got pages of it all over the world. But listen, friend, it seems, my, that entertainment has won over the Word of God. They'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. What do you, what do you say, preacher? Tell me what I want to hear. All I want to hear is what I, you've got to be politically correct. You can't offend me. Don't offend me. But listen, you've got to tell me how good I am. I don't hear about that. You've got to tell me, listen, tickle my ears. Don't preach the word. Just make me feel good. A lot of Christians, again, they are like the fellow that takes his little brown paper bag up to the spiritual grocery store and they say, give, says to the clerk, give me $3 worth of God. I want just enough of God to keep my guilt level under the threshold of pain. I want enough of God just to equal a warm cup of milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I want enough of God just to make me feel good. Not enough of God to nitpick at my prejudices or to make me love as somebody I don't want to love. I just want enough of God to get by. That's the problem. But we want a limited amount of God in our lives. Amen. 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 Paul, Apostle Paul was full born. Paul, uh, he, didn't even, he didn't even want to be tied down to a wife. I don't know where I'd be without my wife. God's given me a good one. I appreciate that. But the warnings, the book, what have I done with God? What have I done with Christ? What have I done with the Holy Spirit? And then last of all, but not least of all, what have I done with my opportunities? Harvest is The summer is ended. Well, the summer is an opportunity for growing things. It's the growing season. It's when we get what we need to get in order to produce fruit. And if you don't get it in the growing season, then listen, friend, you're just out when it comes to the wintertime and the harvest. Listen, friend, maybe this is the problem. Do you think? Do you think? Listen, friend, let me tell you something. We got to do God's business, God's way. And we've got to learn to trust and obey and we got to go by his book and not just listen, friend, what we feel like, but listen, friend, we got to say, well, I don't feel like, I don't feel like chilling the ground this summer. I think I'll just play. I think I'll just fiddle my fiddle and I'll pipe my pipe and I'll sing and dance 
Now listen, friend. And I'm not going to sow any seed. I'm not going to break up my ground. You might end up being like the little red hen. My, that, uh, that everybody wanted to come while she was baking and wanted a piece of her pie. And she was kind of like, well, where were you when the work was being done? That greatest generation. They were the ones that built all of the infrastructure of this country, made this country great because they done it on sweat and blood and ingenuity, and they done it in perspiration. And my listen, friend, they done it because of inspiration. Amen. Now listen, we we need those kind of people in the church. We need some folks, my listen, friend, that will see my the vision like that Jeremiah saw. To see what Jesus saw when he saw the masses and said, Now the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few and he was brokenhearted. Jeremiah was brokenhearted because that nobody was saved. Be tough, wouldn't it? You know, I'll tell you, you know, the difference between a pastor preaching pastor in a big church and a little church, the little church preacher has got his work cut out for really does. Well, it's easy when everything's going good. I mean, I've, I've had it at 70 and 80, and then we're down to in the 30s and the 40s, and, you know, it's tough. That's right. When, uh, you know, it's easy when everybody's patting you on the back and just supporting you. But listen, friend, uh, I, you know, I, I think what, our, what Noah went through preaching the Word 120 years. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. And he preached it with power. He preached it. And he was brokenhearted, I'm sure, because nobody believed. Nobody. You've got to get in the boat. God's got us a boat. you got to get in. you got to grow. you got to Go the same way. You gotta lift up your mainsail. You gotta catch the wind and heaven's breeze. Because listen, friend, now the church is going somewhere. You better get on board. I like the message preached a few about a month ago. Not everybody liked it, but I, I thought, my all in, all in. Now listen, friend, we need some folks that, that will just get all in. And if we're going to do something for God, we better all get in. If we're going to accomplish anything for God. Amen. Amen. Now listen. Oh, everybody's got their problems. Everybody's got their hang-ups. <laughs> I do too, Willis. I do too. I do too. But listen, Brad, there ain't no place to give up or let up. Well, till he comes, that's what he said for us to do the sacraments. He said, till he comes, 
do this in memory of me. Let's do in memory of me. And he said, for we do shew the Lord's death until he comes. And my listen, friend, until he comes, we need to be true to the message. We need to be true to the Lord. We need to be true to our beliefs, our faith. Hold up high the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ. And listen, friend, I'm just going to keep on keeping on. As the old song says, until then, with joy, I'll carry on. What are you going to do? I'll listen, friend, and we'll carry on. Amen. Amen. Little as much when God is in it. Now, is any of us full, full board for God? Any of us full board? We just give it up. We're just totally committed. Kind of like the chicken and the, and the, uh, the pig. And they walk them down roads. And man, the king of the animals came. He's coming. You know, what are we going to give him? Well, the old chicken said, I think we ought to give him eggs and bacon. He said, ah, he said, that sounds good. He said, for you, that's sacrifice, but for me, it's total commitment. <laughs> it's total commitment. Is anybody totally committed? Do you show up for everything, at every function, for everything, every church service? Do you? Yes or no? Don't have to do It's kind of hypocritical to expect it from some, from anybody else when we don't do it ourselves. Amen. Leo, you got a number of songs? You can write that down if you want to. Take it to the bank. If we would, as best members, faithful, we thank the pastor or the deeds to help the people. Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll skip a night or two. Which is my ministry. But you, you skip a night or two and they're up to throwing you out. Yeah. 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 That's very true. Amen. Amen. Four one was got to be made. Don't look at it. I might be old time, but I'm glad I am. Amen. 